You're listening to Mike and Kristen. The podcast. I'm Mike, a musician, writer, and producer. And I'm Kristen, a painter, writer, and designer. Our show is all about following dreams, taking chances, and what life as an artist is really about. Together, we bring you weekly guest interviews and thought-provoking conversations. Let's go! Okay, folks, here we are. Mike and Kristen, the podcast, coming at you from Hot Jupiter Sounds. We are living large here. What's going on, Kristen? We are in week 82 of podcasting. 82 in. Which happens to be our birth year. 82, yeah, 1982. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're not 141. Yeah. Who else was born in 1982? Uh, <laughs> you usually well, have some, like, like a sports trivia or whose sports number is 82. 82 is not a common sports number. Oh, bummer. Not that I can think of. Uh, what athletes would be the exact same age as me? It seems they're all either younger or older. <laughs> <laughs> There's no 40-year-old athletes. Okay, moving on. Yeah. <laughs> How was your weekend? It was good. We had Galactic Pie. It was uh, Galactic Pie opening and Thanksgiving. So it was a big event weekend around here. Lots yeah, the, on the go. The show went great. The show was a real dream come true, actually. Why don't after, you tell people all about it? After putting so much effort into a show. I don't think I've put this level of energy and commitment into an art show before because mm-hmm. it was more than creating paintings and having them on display. It was a complete immersive experience so it required a number of other components to bring that together and it was really uh i i've described it as kind of a spiritual experience and i say that because i've heard that from so many people that attended i heard from almost every single attendee over the last couple of days just to say that how much they enjoyed it or that they took something away it was very emotional and I know for a lot of artists, in particular performers, where you're on stage, you get that immediate response from an audience. As an artist, mm-hmm. it's a little bit harder to have that moving experience uh, for your audience. So capturing and executing that was was really, yeah, really special for me. Yeah, it was it was a full experience from start to finish, and. Everyone there was excited, and there's just so many little details that were thought out, and yeah, every, everyone just had a big smile on their face the whole time, and we both got to talk. I talked about the music, you talked about just the inspiration behind it, and the connection to your mom, and the tribute to her, and we got to give a big shout out to Lauren, a crab apple, who, unbeknownst to us, was... uh taking all the money for the food he was selling and uh, donated to the food bank in memory of your mother. Yeah, how do you thank somebody for doing that? And like yeah. you say, I didn't even know this was happening until the end of the night. And yeah. He just handed me a bunch of cash and any leftover food on top of it yeah. to enjoy. It was just so, so loving, so giving. The people that were there, it was the people there too that added to the whole vibe. Like 
everyone got along so well and made connections and costumes costume party our friend sarah did the guided visualization that yeah. went off so perfectly yeah. so many people commented on enjoying that experience so the show is up at togetherland until october 25th it's not the complete package like opening mm-hmm. night was but you can come see the art in the gallery and your music will be out uh, in the following weeks i guess the soundtrack for yeah, that show. Yeah, I don't know when I'm going to put it out. Okay. I don't know what my plan is. I think I might wait till the new year, actually. Sure, yeah. yeah. Everyone who went to the show will get a free download. Yeah. But uh, yeah, stay tuned for that. It was beautiful. I am uh, really excited that we just got to do that and be with all the people. And well, we both kind of did something new in a way, like me creating that type of music and just uh, that type of show for you was, was unique for both of our approaches and creativity. The few days leading up to the launch night, I definitely started to feel maybe the pressure or anxiety I was putting on myself. And we interviewed today's guests, guest, sorry, not plural, today's guest, Aaron McDonald, throughout kind of that week leading up to the show. Yeah. And his story, his perspective was exactly what I needed to hear. And I told him after, I said this a little bit in the interview, but after the fact, it was so important to me that he really understood how much it meant to me for him to not only share this positive outlook on the joy and privilege of being an artist, but it was so sincere for him. It wasn't just, this is how I think you should this is how I think your mindset should be. It it just is that way for him. And it really helped me ground myself into kind of the grand finale before the show opened and be present in the experience and just appreciate that this was happening for me. And it's going to be a hard thing to do, but Aaron is the perfect example off, off that, of living in the moment of appreciating things and and he's been at music for a long time and he's learned so many things along the way and something like that to to be able to just be able to take it in and be grateful for all the the moments that are given to us in the creative pursuit. I'm still getting used to this cycle. Uh, you and I talked about this even yesterday that I'm now at a point a year and a half in that I even observe that I am going through a pattern of okay you have this big show and then maybe the month or two following it it's like a little it's different like maybe you're not getting as much income or you don't you're you're in this headspace where you're thinking about what comes next and speaking with Aaron like you who's been at this for so many years you you both have found such ease and a rhythm in going through that and it, it was just a real important the timing was very divine for us to have had this interview with him. Yeah, a great chat. And he's another Cape Bretoner from, from Mabu, 15 minutes away from where I grew up. And he's always been been on the, the scene and he's a, a little bit older than me. So he's someone who I saw kind of taking off at one point and he's touring the country and doing all these awesome things with his band. And they got their their band van named Bertha and there's just all these <laughs> stories and they're super cool. And yeah, they're, they're an inspiration to, to me for sure as a, a young fellow getting involved in the industry. 
And how much the industry has changed since he was yeah. 19 or 20 getting into this. He talked about having to buy a calling card and then find a payphone to yeah. call a venue <laughs> about a gig and just how different things are now. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's funny to look back on how it once was. That's the way it goes. Yeah, well, we'll see where the future takes us. But uh, thank you, Aaron, so much for your honesty and your positivity. It really, it really meant a lot, and I know will mean something to our listeners as well. Oh yeah, it's a great perspective. He's just a great guy and family man, musician, hardworking dude. Just yeah, positive. Perfect yeah. guy. And to... still getting nominations for awards. Yeah. Like he's he's very relevant and active and got a new album coming out. So he's he's hard at work still. And uh, we're going to play one of his songs at the end of the episode. And this is one that uh, I worked on with him, actually. I uh, did some mixing and mastering for, for this song. Great. So, What's the name of it? My Heart's a Little Bit Older Now. My Heart's a Little Bit Older Now. Well... I think our target audience can relate to this one. <laughs> Maybe For they were sure. born in 1982. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else out there is ever born in 1982 other than us. Well, we've got... We're the only uh, ones. Yeah, yeah, that's all right. Well, hope you enjoy this one, folks. And yeah, Aaron's song will be played at the end. And give him a follow and check him out. Okay, folks, thanks for tuning in. And yeah, listen to this great chat and listen to this tune at the end. My heart's a little bit older now. And uh, we'll be back with uh, with lots more. And oh yeah, I just announced Town Heroes, my band, we're playing the marquee. Let's do it. Well, Let's go. Is that all you want to say about it? Well, I might as well say the date. <laughs> say the date at least. Yeah. Where to get tickets? December eighth. Uh, we'll we'll put a link in the the notes for tickets to the show. Big big bill ourselves, Elise Aaron from Cape Breton. Skunk Motel, band from Halifax, and young fella Jackson Weldon, whose music I'm working on here at the moment, and he's been on the podcast twice. Yeah, and so has Elise, Elise has and we'll on. have Skunk Motel on as well. Yeah. Love that name. So I uh, want as many people to come out to that as possible. Let's so, pack the room. So we can, so I can buy a Christmas present for Kristen. Woo! Let's really <laughs> yeah, pack the room. Yeah, pack that room, <laughs> and she gets an awesome present. Okay, we'll start campaigning. Okay, folks, okay, Aaron McDonald. Yeah. Sound is on. You've been offered your drink 16 yes. or 17 times no, now in so true Cape Breton fashion. Yeah. Re- refuse it every time. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, don't put yourself out. How many ways can I say no to this question? <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, honestly, I know I'm literally going to burst, you know, hot turkey sandwiches. Hot turkey yeah. and the milkshake. Like the milkshake paired with anything is I probably is, to yeah. the tippy top. I used to do like at the Ardmore when I lived in Halifax, the old shake and cake, get the pancakes mm. with the with the milkshake. Oh, you can never finish it. For breakfast. Is, oh my God. That is oh, heavy. Heavy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Was that like a hangover breakfast? I don't know. It was mine. Yeah. I just can't resist a milkshake. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Ice I cream in me is just like. Uh, What's bad about a milkshake? Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. no bad time. Like breakfast is not the typical time for a milkshake. No, but I know. if you have one at breakfast, you're like. And then it became a thing. It I was know like, what's going on. It's like, can I finish the shake and cake combo? And it was like, I, I don't, I never did.
the wake and bake and then the shake and cake. <laughs> there was lots of wake and bakes and shake and cakes, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're, you're in Halifax again, up from Cape Breton. You could, you could try that challenge tomorrow I could try and, challenge. and maybe actually finish Maybe that's this why time. he's here. I'm yeah. a big boy now. I might be yeah. able to do it. <laughs> you, you learned a lot. <laughs> and then you'll be excellent singing. So uh, Well, the vocals are done. So, uh, yeah. I'll oh, like, good. Yeah. We're just going to be a mixing. Uh, and you're at Sonic Temple? Sonic Temple, yes. yes. What yeah. a beautiful spot that is. Well, it was on my bucket list since forever, you know. I n I've only I've never really got in a real studio before, even mm. though I've been playing since forever, since is the dawn right? of time. But I always just did it sort of in a friend's apartment or like in a cottage and bring our own gear and then and then the last couple of years doing it myself. Yeah. yeah. With Mike little Mike's help and uh, yeah. some YouTube videos, you know. But so Sonic was always on my mind. So how is this different being in that style studio? Oh, I like it. You know, it, it, part of me is, I don't know, it's all just learning, right? And, and seeing how it's sort of really done, you know, but the, just the, I mean, the gear, the sounds, they got, yeah. they got everything there. And plus like Lil Thomas is kind of the engineer behind it and just the skill set they have too, right? Just putting it all together and just knowing exactly what is kind of needed at the, in the moment. For me, a lot of trial and error, you know? So what's it feel like just being able to put that trust and faith into someone and know, okay, this guy's awesome. I just got to sit here. Oh, I got no issue best. with that. No issue. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's great. Like, I feel like there's, I feel like most people know more than me, even though I've been playing a long time, I've kind of been faking it this whole time, you know, in a way, <laughs> like I just learned guitar just to, just to sing at kitchen parties. So it was like learn three chords and just sing every song I know. And then, I just been doing that this whole time. And so when I get around people that have a little more of the technical knowledge, you know, as far as musically, like I, I'm just, I'm just here, take the reins, like show me. I just, I'm trying to sponge as much as I can off. Mm. Yeah. But you, know. you, you have 30 ish years of <laughs> your, your knowledge yeah. just yeah. In, ingrained into you. Well, like that's, that's, that's a thing of itself. I, right? I think I have like 30 years of, I, I've, I've sort of honed my taste maybe in my ear on yeah. what I like. You know, yeah. but uh, I kind of never took the time to to sort of uh, dig deeper on my instrument or anything yeah. like that. Right? It was to me, it was just I just wrote songs, like because I, I write songs just to sort of like get through my day and process my life. You know, so I was yeah. just there more just that's why I wrote songs, mm -hmm. and like I never spent time sort of worrying about the structure of them or, or how good a guitar player I am. I always just hired a hired gun for that type yeah. of stuff. I got my buddy Greg with me since forever or those yeah. people, right? And Neil is drumming. And it's just like, yeah. I always just look to other people to kind of, you know, enhance it. But I feel like I've just been sort of, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm just sort of your butcher guitar player musician. <laughs> I no, I wouldn't <laughs> say that. I think I think you know what your strengths are well, and it, what yeah. your weaknesses are, yeah. and you played your strengths and you yeah. stay away from the weaknesses, which I think every great musician does. Mm. And the one, if you see someone on stage who maybe doesn't know that much, but they play what they can play, mm. no one's going to point at them and say, oh, this guy sucks. No, they just. Right. You might not be wowed by them, yeah. but you get, they do what they're supposed to do yeah. and it comes across in, in a way that's, that, that works. Yeah. So I think like the biggest mistakes musicians make is trying to do too much. Yeah. That's a big thing. Knowing, yeah. you know, knowing your, your sort of capabilities, you run into that sometimes with people who don't know when not to play maybe or something yeah. too, right? Yeah. You know, but <laughs> ease up um, a little ease bit. Ease up, you know, well, I don't know. This may go for every job, but mm -hmm. now having 
both met and or interviewed a lot of musicians, I really notice how different all of your approaches are. <laughs> like we've had people yeah. that have studied music for a yeah. number of years and are really into the theory and the technicalities and Mike has learned by ear and yeah. that's a different kind of feel and passion that comes with it. And yeah. how do you sort of figure out what works for you? Was that an influence or just you rolled with it? And... I roll with it. I've been rolling with it this whole time. I took 10 lessons from Robbie Jacquard. Okay. Yes. Uh, yeah. When I was in grade twelve, on a yeah. dare, and uh, and then I just fell in love with guitar. You were dared. I was dared. It. Yeah, no, I had a friend. <laughs> Who my dared friend, you? My friend Mike Beaton from Mabu, uh, you yeah. know Angus Rodney and 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 Jen Tyler yeah, and Gareth yeah. Beaton, that yeah. family, right? Mike was uh, one of my best friends growing up. Still one of my best friends. Yeah, and. Um, you know, I've always kind of wanted to learn guitar, and then he dared me at the start of grade 12. He's like, if you learn how to play guitar, I'll sing at graduation. So I mm. signed up. I took 10 lessons with Robert Jacquard. Gordy Kennedy was in that yeah. crew, and um, and um, uh, Keith Doucette. Yeah. Right? And then so... Um, we, I, I learned my my you know my seven chords and a couple yeah. of songs with him, and then that was it. I stayed in my basement for grade twelve, and then we actually wrote a song, and Mike sang it at the university or at graduation for grade twelve. It was terrible, and I don't think there's any recordings out there. Thank God. <laughs> and uh, but he did, and then I then I you know I was hooked. I was hooked then, and uh, I spent that summer just you know playing parties and stuff, and then I got to Saint of X, where things really sort of took off. I knew about 10 songs by the time I got to Saint of X, but it was like the early days of the internet. Mm. And I could mm. Google, I got out of Mabu and I could kind of Google songs. Yeah, well, there was no Google. Yeah. There was no Google actually. Then it was, it was like your, it was called a system called Juliet. Oh, and it was like almost like MS DOS. I don't know if you guys were probably I, too I young used for DOS that. Did you one use point? DOS? Yeah. So I'm going way back here. You know, yeah. and it was like a black screen, and you had to type in commands, right, to yeah. to find something. So what your computer could access someone else's computer, like wherever, in you know, in in you know, whatever Kansas City or whatever, and you would find a way to get the path to their computer, and you might find certain songs, and you'd on the old dot matrix printers. Yeah. you know and I'd print print off songs and so then I just started like learning more and more songs and playing every parody I could at Saint of X and then my first year at Saint of X I had a friend that I met I lived with some guys from Clay Spain this one guy was uh, the entertainment coordinator Jason Simmons was his name and uh he rebooked all the acts at Saint of X and uh he had Great Big C coming to play and then they were still like they were a big pub band they still toured Canada but they weren't like as massive as as they became, yeah. And uh, they played the Golden X Inn, and I that was my first gig. I opened for Great Big C oh, nice. at the Golden X Inn at Saint of X in 1994, and uh, I was so scared. I never sang on a microphone before, and Brennan, my cousin yeah. Brennan McDonald, he, play, he was um, just starting uh, playing in some bands in Halifax yeah. just just before Kilt kind of got together. Yeah. And uh, I called him. You got to come to Anakinish and play with me because I don't <laughs> yeah. know what I'm doing. Please. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please. And we, I did like, I don't know, I did like a half hour, 40 set, minute set or something, you know, open a grape sea. And that what was, songs were you doing? Oh my God. I do, I of course did some Rankin family. Jimmy Rankin at that yeah. time was a massive influence on me. Blue yeah. Rodeo, you know, it's country. Yeah. I grew up in country music, so I'm, I you know, I, I probably played some Waylon Jennings or, or something like that, you know, yeah. yes. Willie Nelson, you know, that's what my, my parents listened to. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, maybe some Stan Rogers then, too. I don't know. Oh, my so God. So, Mike went to St. Effects, too. Did you hear folklore about Aaron's days? I knew you had a live recording. I had a live recording. From yeah. uh, Andy yeah. Ganesh, yeah. right? Yeah. I had a live recording. Yeah. I did uh, I did an album at the Dirty O, they called yeah. it, the Orient Lounge, live yeah. from the Orient Lounge. Yeah, that was uh, a couple of years later. 
Yeah, but uh, yeah, Anaganish was sort of that's where that's where I came musically alive, you know. And then that's where I, my brain was like, okay, like I, maybe I can do this, you know. Like I know enough songs, and I was writing. I wrote poems as a, even as a teenager before yeah. I learned guitar. So then I started transcribing uh, those over to music, and then I just kept. I've always just written, you know, since forever. Like and uh, so I even had originals then, and then I just I were just you playing them? Yep. Live, yeah. I first time I ever, I, I went, when I got to the dorm and I was singing at some parties and what have you, my first year, I, I had a song called 50 Miles an Hour. It's just a country song, you know, yeah. <laughs> cheesy, cheesy 90s country song. And yeah. uh, I sang it for some roommates and they, like at that time, anyways, they, they were like, like, they couldn't believe it. This guy wrote this song and they started taking me from dorm room to dorm room. Listen, to, and my nickname was Spock there, right? <laughs> yeah. So they're like, listen to Spock's song. And like, <laughs> I had to play it again and play it again. So then they really encouraged me though. Like, you know, they were so thrilled about it. So then I, I was like, well, I got one more and then I'd write another one. And then I, then it became nothing to write a new song and just sing it for people and play it. So I, I still do that today. Like, I write a song today and I have a gig tonight, I'm probably going to play it, you know, like I don't, I don't yeah. wait mm. to play it, you know, yeah. it's like, I, I don't know. I love that. Yeah, that feels very raw and well, it's, sincere. Well, it's like, it's every song for me, it's just something that's going on and I finally get a chance to sort of get it out and, and maybe I don't understand how I'm processing it, but after I play it 20 times and it kind of hits me of maybe understand why I wrote this song or where mm. it came from. But it's always been therapeutic, you know, like yeah. it's, it keeps me out of a straitjacket. So it's like, I kind of want to play those and sing those as soon as I can, because it just, you know, helps you get through that. You, you said earlier when you were in high school that you felt hooked after yeah. that first oh, yeah. round. Was yeah. it hooked to the music or the response from the audience? Oh, in, in, in grade 12, there was no audience. Okay. I had an older brother, an older an older sister, and a younger brother, but my two older siblings like couldn't stand me at the time. I was making a racket and that was terrible. So the and, former. Yeah, 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 the former. Yeah, no, I mean, I got hooked just, you know, when, you, when you're learning an instrument and then you can actually strum a two or three chords together and you can hear the song like that you're trying to learn and mm. you'd actually, it's like, oh, wait now, I can play that now a little yeah. bit you know and then uh it was just like oh i want to learn another one and another one and growing up for me our, a lot of our my family my extended family there was oh it, it's different it was different then too it, there was always house parties like there was nothing else to sort of do like yeah. you got together every weekend and mm -hmm. and my my i have th I, I have a stepfather that's been around since i was like two years old so I kind of have three families, you know, my mom's family, my dad's family, my stepdad's family, and they're yeah. huge families. There's like, you know, 10, 12, 14 siblings, right? Each. I have 99 first cousins. And I'm not <laughs> even exaggerating. I we uh, It was just funny. A couple of weeks ago, we were talking about this and we went through and it's like 99, right? It's insane. So we always would get together and play. And then my cousin, Trevor McLean, I don't know if you know Mike, but. Big too, Trevor? Big Trevor, too yeah. tall Trev. He, yeah. he learned a little guitar at the same time. <laughs> and uh, and so we started playing guitar kind of together, you know, and we would just, I mean, then we'd just hop in a truck and you'd be going around the back roads and land at somebody's house and start singing songs in the kitchen. And then, you know, and it would all of a sudden be four in the morning, you'd be landing at somebody's house and jumping in their bedroom with the guitar and singing songs in there. And <laughs> that's, you know, it was just always learn guitar to be able to sing songs for parties. And that's, that's just, that, that's literally how I got hooked on it.
you know. This is like the most like organic <laughs> grassroots yes. way that I've ever heard of anyone's career progress. Like, Real, uh, you, yeah. Your buddies are just pushing you. Listen, to this yeah. guy sounds. Yeah. You fuck. Know, you're, you're building confidence like that. Yeah. you're, you're just playing for your friends at parties. That's like, it. And I, I literally, I, I when I got to when I was at Saint of X and even into my second year and third year, I don't know. It just kind of started happening, like. Any event going on, a campus police party, like, let's get Spock in here. We'll just feed him some beer and, <laughs> yeah. and he'll play all night, you know? And then, yeah. so I started, I was just kind of the guy that would go around St. of X campus and just off campus or wherever yeah. playing all these functions. And then, I mean, at that time, my friend, I had, my friend Simmons uh, was booking a lot of the acts that was coming through there. And then when he left, I, I had another friend, Robert Cameron from Antigonish that took over from him. So almost my entire time at X, I was connected to the person booking all the bands. So mm-hmm. I got chances. Yeah eventually through my four years to play an open for like you know great big c sons of maxwell uh, big wreck uh, yeah. uh, you know moist uh, i'm yeah. of the earth and all these type of bands coming in <laughs> hell of a resume well you know and then i'm just oh. this guy with an acoustic guitar singing <laughs> these oh i think back now it must have been terrible you know what i mean Do people but, wear spock ears to your shows uh, oh god no you know but uh, <laughs> it was they they were my biggest fans you know what i mean they had all come out and everybody loved it it was like i don't know it, it was saint of x really opened me up mm. and then um after my third year at Saint of X, I, ha- I have an older brother and older sister that live in Windsor, Ontario now, and they they moved up there then in the nineties. Everybody would gonna go to Windsor to work at Chrysler, Ford, or GM plant. It was mm-hmm. like the big three they called it. So there's a lot of Cape yeah. Bretoners up there, a lot of West Side Cape Bretoners up there. Yeah. And so I said, Frig, I'm you know I'm gonna go up there for a summer and, and maybe get a summer job up there and just get out of get out of Mab and Cape Breton, you know. And see, there's yeah. only at that time there was about three summer grants in Mab, and if you didn't <laughs> yeah. get one, you didn't have a summer job, you know. Yeah. So uh, I went to Windsor. I landed there. My brother picked me up at the airport. I went back to his apartment, and uh, he's like, "We're going to this little pub called the Sandwich Mill. It's a little little tiny narrow pub." Kind of the size of the Red Shoe, maybe, yeah. you know, or like the Coal Miners Cafe, if you've ever been in there, just long and narrow, but not yeah. very big. And now all the, all the capers went there, all the Route 19ers went, went there every night. And there was a band there called the Shannon Brothers, uh, like a trio, kind of Celtic music. And when my brother convinced them to let me go up and sing a couple of songs, so I jumped up there and I don't know, I sang like four or five songs. And then the owner came up to me. And he gave me his card and he's like, would you like to play here every Tuesday? And I was like, oh my God, sure. And he would say, I'll give you a hundred bucks, uh, you know, a hundred bucks and all the beer you can drink. So that, I, that was the first time I ever got paid to play a gig, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then uh, Tuesday happened and then all of a sudden the Tuesdays were a big night because the University of Windsor was just down the street. So it was like Toonie Tuesday, you know, all drinks or beers were two bucks. And, uh, then it turned into playing there Thursdays and then it turned into playing there Sundays as well. So I was playing there three nights a week and then two other bars in Windsor kind of caught wind and I was ended up, I was playing like Tuesdays, like Thursdays, Saturday afternoons, some Saturday nights and Sundays in these pubs around Windsor, Ontario. So did this become your job or did it you have a job? I didn't yeah. get a job. I, yeah. well, I did, I did, ha- I, I work at a, um. A, a door factory, <laughs> a, a door a, factory, a, like your fiberglass kind of pressed wood doors. Yeah. Like I saw, it was like a night shift. Sounds exciting. <laughs> it was, you, they had these molds, you know, and they they squirt this sort of sponge-like material into this press, and then like this door would pop out. It was, you know, I did like two shifts and I quit. I was like, I couldn't work night shift at that time, you know. I just couldn't stay up, and then. Uh, 
Then I got a, I picked up another job for about four days at a pallet repair <laughs> warehouse where like they took broken pallets and you had to- <laughs> Windsor an, sounds an, just wild. <laughs> it's yeah. in Windsor, yeah. It's an industrial town. You know, I, 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 I probably grew out of Windsor, you know, but, and then I, it was kind of over, it was over those couple of weeks maybe where I had those kind of two part, those two jobs where the other gigs started coming together, mm-hmm. the multiple nights a week at the sandwich mill and the other pubs. And so then once I had, I don't know, I had four or five gigs a week making a hundred bucks each gig. I was, yeah. oh my God, I was, I was a millionaire. Yeah. You yeah. know, I had no bills at the time. I think my rent was like 200 bucks a month <laughs> Yeah, and I was making about 400 cash a week. Oh my God. I was calling my mom and I was very tempted not to go back from my fourth year university. Yeah. My mother was having none of that, you know? <laughs> and so I'm glad now, you know, in hindsight, of course, I went back and uh, I finished off my degree and then I moved back to Windsor after I graduated St. X and kind of went back that route again. But then I, I kind of grew out of that town and then I moved mm-hmm. to Vancouver and then I was kind of busking on the streets out there a little bit and, and, um, actually kind of another crazy story. When I got to, Win- when I got to Vancouver, I was busking and, and living with two guys from home and, you know, we had no money. And, uh, as my mom would say, you know, like not a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out of, you know? And, yeah. uh, and so, uh, I was busking a little bit and trying to find money. And we found this ad in the paper for uh, a battle of the bands, a thousand dollars grand prize Ooh. down, but it was down on East Hastings. Mm. Have you ever, I lived in Vancouver. You've yeah. been down East Hastings. So, oh yeah. You've seen the Astoria hotel. It's like on the 700 block of East Hastings, okay. the Astoria hotel. So, I mean, it's in the, in the at, thick of it. In the thick of it, right? And I'm <laughs> coming from Mabu. I'm green. I don't, I'm naive. I don't know, right? So right. I, I don't know where this is. And I've never heard of East Hastings or the Astoria Hotel before, but I'm going to go down there and join this Battle of the Bands. And it was like a, it was like kind of like a four week thing where bands would, like five or six bands would play uh, Wednesday night and then another four or five Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night. And then the next, and the crowd would vote every night. And then the winners would move on to the next week. Yeah, and then yeah. I was, there was, and I think it was, if I remember correctly, there was like, it started with like something like 78 bands and one solo act. And I was the solo act. You know? <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, but I, I kind of hit it off with the staff at the bar that were there and sort of the regulars, you know, and, uh. And then all of a sudden I made it by week one and then I made it by week two and then I made it by week three and then I got down to the finals and then I had winning the, the whole freaking thing, you know, nice. and I won a thousand bucks and uh, it was like the only yes. money I had you know, at the time. We had, I remember us just driving through Vancouver downtown, like hanging out the window, screaming. There's three of us, Angus <laughs> Rodney Beaton yeah. and Paul McLean. And we just couldn't believe that because we had no money to pay rent or anything. And that was like, we scored this grand, right? And it was like, <laughs> I don't know what our rent was, but we, you know, we blew our rent in about two days, but it blew it all, but we bought groceries. You were the hero. We bought groceries and yeah, and other things and we paid our rent and yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. So then, yeah, the, the part of the winning of, uh, after you win the prize, you could play there once a month, like on a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So you got four gigs there a month and mm-hmm. you do uh, four days in a row. So I, that, I didn't have a job. So I did that and I did that for probably five or six weeks, maybe, maybe even a little more, but I, 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 I couldn't stay in that environment, in that place. It was just so insane when I think back of it now. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of things happening in that, in that bar and in that street, you know, and it's just like. I was just like, okay, I may have to get a job because I don't think I can stay here anymore because this is not good for my well-being, you know? Yeah, it's, it doesn't uh, feel safe and pleasant. You know, a lot of, a lot of um, 
a lot of addicts, you know, and, and, and just everywhere you went, there was just junkies shooting up and, and, and people having crack. And it was just like, you know, and it's, after a while, it was just like, oh, my God, I, I'm, I'm living in this, in this bubble, in this world. And I was like, oh, mm. I, 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 I can't do this anymore. It's it's interesting coming from because we all grew up in really small towns, like mm. very m- yeah. me even smaller, really. Yeah. And when I left high school, I moved straight to Toronto Ooh, to like small. Jane and Finch area, yeah. which is comparable yeah. to East Hastings, yeah. really. And I think part of the shock of witnessing that for the first time was having never had even the most minor of exposure no, to that all. culture and. We all certainly know better now, and it's it's very upsetting, actually, that mm. these neighborhoods exist still. Like, East still. Hastings is still, still, it's even worse. Yeah, it's even worse. Probably now than yeah. it was today, but it, it's very alarming to have those first mm. experiences as a young person having grown up in rural Nova Scotia. Everybody's friendly and pleasant, and you help your neighbor out. That's right. You would never see one person struggling with no. the struggles that you're now suddenly surrounded by hundreds. Oh, hundreds. Just. Yeah. Just complete city blocks full, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I remember I used to just walk with my hands in my pocket. I'd have my keys, like my house keys sticking outside my my the ring, my fingers. So mm-hmm. in case anything happened, I had mm-hmm. a, my guitar case was a, was a backpack, you know? Yeah. Excuse me. And uh, I, I, I made like a hundred bucks or something at each, each gig or whatever. And I just have that hundred dollars in my hand and I'd have my keys going through my fingers. I'd be walking down the street, just kind of like, yeah. you know, keeping my eyes open. But, uh. You know, part of me at that time in my life too, though, was just, I was sort of eating that up in a way too, though, just, just seeing a different part of the world and, and kind of like just absorbing this, like, you know, trying to, I don't know, understand, or at least, you know, I ended up, I, I ended up moving in with people because kind of in the middle of all that, the two guys that I was rooming with from home moved back home. So I was like, well, I'm not moving. And I didn't know a soul in, in the city. So I met these people at the bar and the, and uh, they're like, well, we got an extra room with a bed. You can jump in there with us. And they lived in North Vancouver. So I literally, they, these strangers like took me in and I moved in Drew and Liz. Like I moved in with Drew and Liz in North Vancouver. And, uh, but they had some friends that battled addiction and stuff. And they, and then sometimes they'd flop at the house, you know? Mm-hmm. And I remember just sitting, I used to sit with Cal, this one guy, you know, and he had his issues with heroin from time to time. And I would be, Sitting there, like, try, just trying to understand why are you doing this to yourself? You know what I mean? And uh, I know a lot of my early days in Vancouver were like that, just kind of seeing this whole new side of the world and, and uh, just trying to, like, just trying to wrap my little rural brain around it all. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's good education to have. Oh, really. it's the real deal. It was the first, the thing that I remember the most, I lived on Commercial Drive yep. and there was a, like, a community center with a pool there. And I went swimming one day and I was the only white person in the mm-hmm. whole building. And yeah. I'll never forget it. And now that is such a meaningful experience for me yeah. to have had yeah. to know what it feels like to yeah. be in the shoes of yeah. somebody. Because we don't get that very often. No, here. not here. No. But you can empathize or sympathize yeah. with what that might feel like for, yeah. you know, it was just, just a, moment, a moment, but yeah. it was yeah. important. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, man. Have you ever had that? Today's episode is brought to you by the amazing Wilson's Coastal Club. This resort has eight cottages ranging from bachelor to three bedroom units. So you can take the whole family along, including your fur babies. Dogs are welcome. Mallory and Kyle, the owners, are two awesome people who have created the perfect getaway for you. 
and we've stayed there ourselves, and, you know, we felt like two little kids on vacation. This hidden gem is right on the ocean. They've got a private beach with loungers for all of their guests, e-bikes, and all of the water sports like stand-up paddle boards, kayaking, swimming, and the ambient sound of the waves. A lot of wildlife there, too. Loons. Ducks. Seals. Cranes. Deer. Bunnies. And more bunnies! Woo! (laughs) As if this place wasn't awesome enough, they're also offering fitness classes on the beach, wellness retreats, and meditation workshops. Wilson's Coastal Club is open all year round. And if you're worried about the Nova Scotia winter nipping at your nose, don't fret, they've got you covered. They're offering Canadian-made cedar wood-fired hot tubs and oceanfront 10-foot red cedar panoramic view barrel saunas coming this fall. Located at 7532 St. Margaret's Bay Road in Bootlears Point, Nova Scotia, you can book your stay at wilsonscoastalclub.com. And if you book before October 30th and use the discount code Mike and Kristen, you'll receive 15% off your stay. Woo! Private beach! Bonfires! Whoa, good times in the maritime! S'mores! Woo! Woo! Yeah, well, of course, coming from a small town, like, there's so many experiences you don't get to have, and mm. you're in your own little bubble, like you're saying, mm. and just just when you go out into the world, just so many firsts are going to happen. Yeah. And some are amazing, some are bad. Like I think I think everyone's has to learn learn those lessons though. And I th- think also nowadays people are exposed to a lot more with the internet and That's stuff. Right. Like I mean they, I know I mean part of growing up in these towns too, like for me at least and a lot of people I know, it was like we couldn't wait to get out. Like, you yeah. know, that was a big thing. It's like Get the hell out yeah. of Nabu. Like, I'm never coming back to this town. Yeah. Like, at least for me, it was like, that's where I head with that. Yeah. You no, know, I live there now for like the last 20 years. So I can't <laughs> yeah. imagine living anywhere else. Yeah. But man, oh man, when I was 18, it was like, I can't wait to blow this town and yeah. just get out of here. And so go when see. did it change that you wanted to go home? I, I, I lived in Vancouver. I lived in Windsor and then I went to Vancouver and then I, I was out in Vancouver kind of playing open mics, busking on the street. I got a job at a cafe there after a little while and, uh. And then what happened was X-Ring, uh, Saint of X, it was, uh, I was out in Vancouver. So it was probably about two years or so, or three years after I graduated, Saint of X sort of got in touch with me and were like, they wanted to fly me home to play the X-Ring ceremony, play a gig. And they were going to pay me like a thousand bucks and fly me home Yeah, and pick me up at the airport, the whole thing. Right. And I'm, and I saw so a course, right. So flew home. And I went and played this gig and it was awesome. I paid a thousand dollars. I flew back to Vancouver and I'm like, what am I doing? I was like, I'm like, here I am busking on the street, trying to make 20 bucks to buy a chicken at the grocery store, (laughs) you know? And if I go back to East coast, like there's people there that know me and I can play some gigs and actually maybe make a living playing music. So that was it. I changed my mind. And, um, so I, I took, um, I quit my job out there and there was a, at that, there was another fellow from home that kind of moved out West at that time. And he was planning on moving back and, uh, we bought an 87 Dodge Turismo for 500 bucks and we dipped our foot in the Pacific. And then we took like three months or so, well, maybe two months to drive across and just took our time. I picked, I had a show in Calgary and then I had a show in Timmins and then one in Sudbury and one in Windsor, one in Ottawa. And they were kind of spread out. So we just, we took this like trek back across the country 
And then I got back, it ended, I remember I got back to, um, I got back almost on New Year's, New Year's Eve, the day before New Year's Eve, Kilt were playing at the Marquee yeah. and I, I was opening for them there. And then, uh, and then I, you know, I, I, another reason, like I, I got home and here I am opening up for Kilt at the Marquee in front of a full house. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was like, oh my God, I should have been here five years ago, you know? Yeah. And that was it. So then I moved to Halifax. And then I spent a few years in Halifax and that's when I really started like gigging, playing my own original music and gathered up a band and, and started touring yeah. around Quebec and Ontario and all those places. And, um, but you live in a van at that time, we were living in a van most of the time or sleeping on a bartender's floor or wherever. Yeah. And then I'd get back to my, my apartment or my house in Halifax with my roommates and it would just be destroyed, right? Because <laughs> we, we, you know, we weren't the cleanliness of, of, of folks. Yeah. And, uh. I got back from this tour, you know, I was gone for about four or five weeks and I got back in the, on a sun, late on a Sunday I, and it was just, the place was a bomb because Saturday night party was there, you know, and I was just like, I, I can't live like a, like a rat on the road and then come back and, and be a rat in my house. Like yeah. I need something, yeah. right? So I think I took a little bit of a, I don't know, I wouldn't say it's a nervous breakdown, but I was just like, oh, I just can't handle this anymore. Now, what am I doing with myself? So. I, I had a 94 Chevy van named Bertha that we, we toured around in. And I took Bertha back to Mabu, to my parents' house. And I went back and uh, I remember telling my mom, because my folks were always like, well, if you're living here, you're going to have a job or you're going to pay rent. Like they were very like, you know what I mean? Like you mm -hmm. were like, and I was like, okay, Ma, you need to give me just, I, I need a couple of weeks to sort of figure out what the hell I'm doing with myself here. You know what I mean? I was yeah, like, I, I don't need know. a minute. I need a minute. I got to, like, I don't know what's going on, you know? And, um. Uh, and it's funny, it's like the way life goes. It's like Neil McCory, a good friend of yours, Mike, mm -hmm. uh, is my drummer. And uh, and um, I had his drums in the van and, and he wanted me to drop them off at his parents' house. So I went down to Inverside and I dropped the drums off and his sister Melanie was there. And I mean, you grow up in these small towns, everybody knows everybody from the neighboring communities. You know who they are. Melanie, yeah. went to, she was a year older than me. She went to St. Max. I knew who Melanie was. And then I, I got there to drop the drums off and she, it was just her home. And, and I, I, you know, I dropped the drums off and we started talking. And then the next thing you know, like we've been married for 20 years and we have four <laughs> kids, you know? And so, Unreal. Yeah. So, I mean, it all comes together, yeah. but you yeah. don't know that as it's happening. You know what I mean? Sure. So it was like that sort of, that sort of nervous break I kind of took, it just, it led to the rest of my life, you know? Mm. So I don't know. It's what uh, about Mel? What were you drawn to in Melanie when you first met? Oh my God! I thought she was the most beautiful woman on the planet. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That was the number one thing for me for sure. But she's Melanie's just she's the kindest, nicest, wonderful human I know. Like you know, and uh, she's beautiful on the inside and out. And it's just you know, I, I I knew I even though I knew I wasn't sort of mentally ready for that or anything. I was like, I can't let this opportunity go by because she's not going to last long out there. Right. Somebody's going to see her. <laughs> Snatch her up. Yes, yeah. right. And I remember, I remember, I was like, I, her brother is my drummer. And at that time, like my best friend, you know, we lived in a van and toured around, you know. And so I remember going to him and just asking him <laughs> first. Like, I, I, you know, that was very uh, awkward conversation, you know. But uh, I remember just asking him if he would mind if I asked Melanie out. And he was like, no, man, we go ahead. And uh, and we were, I thought we went on a, we had a couple of shows in PEI and she came with us and, uh, and we went out for like dinner and I think we had pork chops and like mashed potatoes at some <laughs> restaurant in PEI in Charlottetown. That was our first little date. 
And then that, that was, I mean, that was it, you know, that was it. And now you've got hooked. four kids. We, I, I, well, I proposed probably like about a, almost a year later. And then we were married probably like less than a year after that. So we were probably only together about a year and a half mm -hmm. before we were married, you know, but when you know, you know. Sure. You know, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing where music takes a person and oh. the, the things it brings into your life. And just, I guess, the creative world, like. Yeah, that's the, that's that's the draw that's the allure it's yeah. like you're always chasing those feelings and those things or that that one millisecond in the middle of the song in the pack bar like when when or with, with the band and everybody's at that harmonious yeah. moment and you're just like Ugh, and is then, that still the case oh. for you well i mean yes yes it's always still a little bit of the case but for me now it's just like as I'm old, I'm older now, you know, and uh, I, I, I just, for me, it's more like a legacy in a way now for me. It's like I have kids and they're getting older and I, re I realize that now, you know, my oldest left the house. She's at Dalhousie. So life is short. Time is fleeting, you know, and, and, and especially with my parents getting older and her parents getting older and aunts and uncles passing on and, and it's like, okay, like I have hundreds and hundreds of songs and I've barely spent any time really putting them down and recording them and letting people hear them. And it's so my kids, I went, I went a long time. I, I, once I met Melanie and I kind of took that break, I stopped touring for a long time and then we had a young family. Like, so I had to kind of be around, you know, and, uh. But then when they got a little older and it was just like, you know, like they don't know me as a musician. They just know me as dad who goes to work, you know? And so then I was like, oh my God, like, like it's such a big part of my life, you know? Mm -hmm. So I was like, I have to document what's, what I've done. Well, that, that was part of it too, is years ago, I don't have barely a recording, a poster, a picture, or even half a memory from, from what I did all that time. I mean, I toured for, with a band for almost 10 years across the country, to Iqaluit, to Vancouver, every province and territory almost, right? You know what I mean? It was all, incredible. Indep all mm -hmm. independently run before cell phones, before anything. You were sending yeah. a mixed cassette tape in the mail to some venue, and you had a scribbler filled with venue contacts. You get to a payphone <laughs> with a calling card to call them. And you know what I mean? Like, it's crazy uh, when I think of it now. I wouldn't have $20 in my pocket, and I'd be driving away for a four-week tour with no money and be like, well, I got enough to get to Kingston, and we have a gig. And if it goes well, we'll get enough to get to Kingston to Waterloo. And then if we have enough there, we'll get to Windsor. My brother and sister are there, so yeah. they'll feed us, you know. And it, it, that's just the way we did it. But we yeah. never thought anything of it. And now I think I wouldn't send my kid out the door to their <laughs> hockey practice with 20 bucks in their pocket to Port Hood, you know. Like, it's just wild, you know. Like, it's wild. When but, you were out on the road and you're traveling town to town, no money, mm -hmm. just living out living on a dream essentially mm. what what was getting you through were you hoping like one thing was going to lead to something that would your band would have a break and take never, off never thought of it in that regard as far as uh making it in music or yeah. or, or the industry side of it yeah. we were we were in the jam band scene then right so yeah. we were like big grateful dead guys and listened to a lot of fish and and we were almost anti-establishment at that point. Yeah. Like yeah. you didn't believe in that stuff. We never went to the EC Mace or any of the music Nova Scotia stuff. We never applied for those things. Any of those yeah. things. We're like, oh no, that's not us. Like, mm -hmm. you know, we're 
or this hippie movement, you know? Yeah. So that never crossed our mind. It was just the next show, just stay busy, just play music, like and whatever happens, happens and go with the flow and yeah. jam on stage and just meet people and create. Like we never rehearsed, a rehearsal was playing gigs or, or yeah. you know what I mean? Like, like there was no thought of that stuff at all. Like it n never even crossed our mind, yeah. you know? Do you think taking that approach helped you stay more in the moment? Oh, yeah. That's all we live for. Yeah. That, yeah, absolutely. That was all we live for. You know, it, it's like just the next buzz of sort. It's the right? purest. It's the yeah. purest way of going about this. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, there wasn't, it wasn't premeditated. <laughs> you yeah. Know I mean? like, <laughs> you know, like we were just all, you know, we, we, it was the only job any of us had. So we were like, we just need to stay busy so we can eat yeah. and buy a 24 maybe a little bag of grass, you know, yeah. that was it. Mm -hmm. That was all we cared about, you know? And it was, I, oh, I, I, I don't even, I know now why my mother was so worried all the time, you know? <laughs> yeah. But I, we never thought two steps ahead of ourselves, like, you know? It it's just, one of the beautiful parts about being young that I, that I miss now. I had very little money as mm. well, like most 20 something year olds yeah. do, but I never, it never crossed my mind. It never mattered, no. never bothered me. And now no. I've got way more money and yeah. worry about it yeah, a exactly. lot more. Yeah, my mom used to call me a $5 millionaire. She's like, <laughs> you don't have $5, but you don't miss anything. You do everything. She's like, yeah, yeah, you know. And I was like, yeah, there's something about that, you know. You're, when you, I think a lot of, at that time too, you're just naive to a lot. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, what's really going on. Like, you know, like heading out on the road with no money and, and just thinking you're going to make it. Like, I, I, I don't even know how we did it. I, I honestly don't know how we did it, but. Somehow. Especially using pay phones and scribblers. <laughs> oh, listen, you know, yeah. You're, if something broke down, you were walking to find a gas station and hopefully somebody was there like, oh yeah. I mean, talk about adventures, man. I mean. I uh, talk to my, my old bandmates and we say that if you could bottle the energy off a young band in their twenties yeah. oh, and yeah. sell that to people, you'd be oh, a trillionaire. Like, like, it's just, yeah. it's just like ultimate confidence. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just belief in yourself. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like you, no fear. Like Zero you're not afraid fear. of anything. Nothing. Like yeah. if the worst thing, if your van yeah. caught fire, all your instruments burned, you yeah. would still figure out a way to get to a gig that night. You know? Absolutely. Like, yeah. Not and, even a question. And borrow a <laughs> fucking guitar from somebody. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I remember just like play, playing a gig, like yeah. wherever, a yeah. town, don't know anywhere, yeah. don't know anyone in the town. No. And like it's, you're hitting your last note at two o'clock. Mm. Never even considered where you're going to sleep that no, night. No, no, not at all. And then you just get off stage and whatever, you just someone at the bar, like, yep. well, what are you guys up to? And like, yep. oh, not too much. And yep. like, you want to have a drink at our place? And yep. like, sure. And then you go yep. over and then- Crash on the floor. Like, yeah, you end up on the floor. A hundred percent. We like, did that 95% of the time. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, the other 5% was hope maybe a family member lived in the yeah. town you're in. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, quite, yeah. it's quite funny, really. Yeah. It's quite oh. funny to hear. But that's- that's what I'm saying. Like bottling that, like most people just, kick, and I can't now, like oh. I would never want to do that now. I would, I, so I said like, <laughs> I don't regret any of it, but I yeah. would never do it that way again. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's I, just so just, hard on you. It, not yeah. at the time. No, I guess, no, when it's you're, a young man's game. Yeah. Do you hope game. differently for your kids or would you encourage <laughs> them to have oh, the God. life experience that you've had? 
I, I I would like them to have the life experience, but no, I don't want them to do it the way I did. I want them to travel and see things, but not, uh, I, I don't think the way I did it was the best <laughs> way. You know what I mean? It was a little bit dangerous when I look back on it now, you yeah. know, very dangerous. Like, you know, we, we, I mean, I, I mean, we, we did a lot of things wrong, you know, for sure. Like, you know, we were, we were, we weren't very sober doing a lot of what we were doing and we were putting a lot of miles on too. And I think back on that, that type of stuff and it's like, oh my God, how did we live? How did we not kill somebody, you know? Yeah. So like, there was a lot of that too, right? So yeah, I, I want them to travel and go and experience all these things, you know, but uh, yeah, definitely not the way I did it. <laughs> I, I don't, maybe when they listen to this podcast, they'll hear it for the first time. They don't look at me that way because I've been sober their whole lives pretty much, yeah. you know, but Lily was only about two or so or yeah, maybe three when I kind of stopped and uh and so they don't, they think I'm straight, right. you know what I mean? They don't see yeah. me that way at all, right? Have they so, ever seen you without a beard? No. Well, I, I think <laughs> I, it's, I used to have kind of a little kind of stubbly beard and then I'd have a goatee for a while. And, and when I worked out West, you couldn't have a beard out there, but you could have like kind of a soul patch and a mustache. And that's when I started kind of curling the mustache up is because that was all I was allowed to have. Right. And, and out there... <laughs> to make a, a seal, proper seal on your face with those masks in case of a gas leak out there. You couldn't have a mustache that curled down past your lips, but you could have one that curled up. So I started curling it up. And then the day I was done on the oil sands, I was growing my beard back, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, that, that's, that's been a, a while now. So I've had this beard a long time, you know, but. Uh, What's yeah. been positive about sobriety? Oh my God, everything. I, my family is still with me, so that's very positive. Mm -hmm. You know, it was touch and go there a few times, you know. I uh, I see things a lot clearer now, you know. I don't miss it at all. Like, you know, not at all. And uh, I feel, I kind of feel bad for people when I see them, you know, boozing it up, whatever, on a Friday or whatever. I'm like, oof, that, that's going to hurt tomorrow, you know. Yeah. I don't know. It, 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 was, it wasn't like I, I wasn't a mean drunk or anything like that. And, and I didn't drink all the time, like, you know, but it was like when I did drink, I never had two beer. It was 12 beer. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And when you're in the music industry, when you're, I mean, I, we drank every gig. We drank before the gig. We drank during the gig. We drank after the gig, every gig, you know. So yeah. you can't keep that up when you're gigging three or four nights a week. You know, and then when you start having kids, my God, you know, it would get, you know, when you're going to the fridge at, at six in the morning because your baby's awake and you got to have a beer just to kind of get the, rid of the shakes, you know, there's there's something going on, right? It's, it's, it's like, I kind of had to like, I had to put myself in check there and just be like, okay, like I can't do this anymore. Like it was my 35th birthday. And um, so there, there, was, uh, there was a point in my life where... Um, where my, my cousin Trevor, who I mentioned earlier, like mm -hmm. he, he always wanted to be a lobster fisherman, you know? And so when he was in his early twenties, he bought a lobster license. So we always, when we were kids, we used to, his father had an old fishing boat in, in their yard, just an old dilapidated boat, but we used to play on it every day, our, every day of our childhood. And we always said, yeah, we're going to fish someday, you know? And, and if you ever get a license, one of us, the other guy's going to come, we're going to yeah. fish together. And he, mm -hmm. and he was like 23 or four and he bought a lobster license in Babacoma Mines. And he called me up. I th I don't know where I was somewhere on tour or something. And he was like, Aaron, he got McDonald. That's what he got. McDonald. I got a lobster license. You got to come fishing with me, you know? So, <laughs> so I was like, wicked. So, so then for probably, I don't know, the next four or five years, at least 
I would go fishing May and June in Mabacomines, and then yeah. I'd tour and play music the other 10 months of the year. So okay. it was a great setup, you know. Were you getting pogey, too? I was getting my well, pogey. Yeah, yes, yes. Get the stamp, of course, buddy. <laughs> Top stamp. Hey, oh, man. That, you're living the dream. Living the Jeez. dream. I, it was actually, it was a phenomenal setup. Like, phenomenal. I mean, you'd fish May and June. You'd be in the best shape of your life. You got mm. your sand, your tan on, and then all of a sudden July 1st hits, <laughs> and you're, you're done. You're free. And you got full, we would have, say, a 30-day tour of Ontario, like, in July. You'd jump yeah. off the boat, hop in the van, and boom, gone playing music. You'd feel like a million dollars, you know? But kind of getting back to, you know, my 35th birthday, I was fishing with another guy at the time. So I kind of did that off and on for a while with different fishermen at home. And uh, we were crab fishing, and it was like, I don't know, it was like a Tuesday. And we went out, we were like three hours steam off a shitty camp. And so you're out and you yeah. can't even see land, you know? And it, it got too rough to haul the gear. But you leave at like two in the morning. So, you know, by this time it's like 5 a.m. And it's too rough by the time we get out there. We're coming back in. So we crack a bottle of rum. We crack a bunch of beer. And by the time we get to the shore, we're feeling pretty good. And then we go up to the guy I was fishing with at the time. We go up to his house and we polish off everything he had in his, in his cabinets and cupboards and fridges. And then... I went to a couple other buddies' houses after that, and, you know, by this time, it's like midnight on a Tuesday, and my, my wife works. I have three kids at home, you know, and I get home, and I'm sideways. And next day, I wake up at, like, 3 a.m. You got to go back fishing again. It's my birthday. I'm 35. I feel terrible, you know, because I'm, like, I've only slept for about an hour, and I, I fished all day, and I was sick as a dog on the boat, just like, you know, it was awful. It was awful. I, it was, like, the worst I've ever felt, I think, if I remember, and I got home. I walk in the door, and I got three young kids, like, one years old, like, almost three, and, like, five, wanting mm -hmm. to have birthday cake with dad, you know, and I'm holding my one-year-old in my lap, and I'm shaking, and I'm, like, feel like I'm going to drop her and I'm just like, whew, like something's got to give here, you know, yeah. like this is not working, you know? And, um, so I was like, okay, like that was May 19th and fishing at home is May and June. So I was like, I, I'm going to not drink for the rest of fishing. And it was a little easier at fishing. I wasn't playing gigs. You're working six days a week. It's early days. You're going to bed early. Like you can kind of hide from it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I did that for me in June and then July came and it was like, I had a bunch of gigs kind of lined up and, um, and, uh, I had a buddy that was getting married. And so he had his stag party and I said, I'll drive all the crew up to Halifax. The party was up in Halifax and for the, ba the bachelor party. And yeah. I drove my minivan, you know, up with all the boys and we, they all went out on, on the town and I went with them, but I stayed sober and I drove them all home the next day. And I was like, okay, I got home from that. And I was told, man, I said, man, like. I just got through a stag party with like 20 of the yeah. boys from home. Yeah. And I said, if I could do that, I could do it anywhere. Yeah. And then in August, my sister got married and I got through all that. And then in later that fall, like in October, my younger brother got married the same year. And I got through that. And, and then, uh, I, after that, I knew I had it licked. I was like, man, if I can get through all this stuff, I, I, I don't, you know, I don't need it anymore. Yeah. And then I just, that was it. That was it. It was, it was, I was done. I was done with it. Uh, yeah. I, oh my God. I don't regret a single minute of that. Yeah. Did, you know? did gigs feel different after? Felt better. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're, you know, you play better. 
yeah. didn't realize at the time that I wasn't playing as good as I could. Yeah. You know, except, you know, I've, 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 I've been the guy falling in a drum kit from like a couple of times on stage yeah. at, the, at the seahorse packed house, like collapse on Neil's, like, you know, I was getting pretty sloppy at the end, like pretty sloppy. So yeah, the gigs felt a lot better, yeah. you know, just having a clear mind, you know, having yeah. a clear mind, it's just better with everything. You know what I mean? Just Mike everything. and I are very interested in, I guess this idea of uh, discipline, like self-discipline mm. or stoicism or doing mm. hard things mm. to kind of callous your mind into mm. realizing what you are really yeah. capable of. And I see like taking that step towards sobriety, especially in this industry, mm. is an example of like having overcome that it would fill you with confidence to feel yeah. like, well, if I can do this under yeah, these circumstances, 100%. there's nothing I can't do. Well, even even the music industry is one thing, but even at home in rural, like right. in Mabu with my old boys, my yeah. friends yeah. from high school. Your like, whole social life. Oh, and... man, like I'm the only guy that doesn't drink. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? And like, I found that almost harder than, than going to a gig, really. Right. Like yeah. being around, it, it's just ingrained in the culture, right? Like, so I found that probably even the hardest. But I mean, I, I wouldn't like, I don't know. I think when, I think when the moment clicked for me is like, you know, it, when it, like the, the switch went off when I, I can remember holding Violet on my knee, you know, and that birthday cake there, like, the switch went off yeah. I, I knew it and I knew it. And then it, it's like, I, I didn't, I didn't have, I didn't honestly, didn't really have a hard time after that. I brought a little cooler with me everywhere that had like a couple of pop, a couple of juice, a couple of water. So like I mixed it up, like I'd have like eight or 10 beverages in this cooler, yeah. cooler bag. And I took that smart everywhere, like everywhere, every gig, every house party, every visit, like it just, I always had that cooler and I took that cooler bag for like a year. Like I took that everywhere because mm -hmm. you get tired of a pop or you get tired of water, you want something else. So I had a mixture all the time and that was my recipe, you know, yeah. and I just had that in my hands. Yeah. And a lot of it is just having something in your hand for like, mm -hmm. at least for me, you know. Was that advice given to you? No, it was just, it was it's just something yeah. I figured out. Yeah. You knew it's you like, I that. needed something in my hand. I like a carbonated drink. So I'd always have some pop, some Coke, you know, a couple of Cokes or Pepsis in there. And, and then I'd throw in some waters to try to be healthy. <laughs> you know, and I've gotten hooked on these vitamin waters, these juices, you know, I got hooked on those and uh, that was it. Like, but when the switch went off, like it went off and I don't know, I can't really describe it, but I, I, I it clicked and, you know, you just... I don't know. Kids put that in perspective for you, man. They put a lot of things in perspective mm -hmm. for you, yeah. but uh, you know, it, it wasn't easy getting to that point though. You know, like, uh, you know, I, I know I put Melanie through a lot for sure. There's no doubt about it. Like, you know, I, I was uh, living a different life then for sure. Well, congrats on, on that, man. Like yeah, it's no, a, it's a, yeah. a thing yeah. that a lot of people want to do and yeah. maybe don't know how to get there yeah. and, and people struggle with it. Some people yeah. take a period off and then, fall yeah, back, back yeah. you know and yeah. like it's, there's there's no right and wrong path like, no there's case. not and i i know i never went to aa or any of those yeah. things i'm kind of lucky like like i said the switch went off and, and it yeah. just clicked and uh, i'm lucky that way i didn't kind of you know fall back on it at all but yeah. like i i try to i there's been a number of friends that i have now that have found it too and like we chat or i tr I have a, another friend of mine kind of going through it right now and landed yeah. at my house two weeks ago and just mm -hmm. had to had to just talk you know yeah and uh you know, I don't know. It's when you 
when you do it and you and you're seeing things clear now and your mind is clear all the time, you know, you, you just kind of want that for those people now too. It's like, you yes. know, it, it is better, like, you mm-hmm. know, but it's hard, man. It's hard. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of it comes down to, and, and not just sobriety, it, everything in your life comes down to what your values are, right? Mm-hmm. Like when you're just 20 years old and out in the road, like yeah, no you're, values. Not, you're not thinking, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> you value partying yeah, yes, and having uh, fun. Yeah, like exactly. that's all you yeah. want to do. Like, yeah. But yeah. you get a little older and like, maybe you, you value your health. Maybe yeah. you value just sunsets well, and sunrises. You know, you know? for me, like, it was like my family. I had kids, exactly. Melanie and my kids. Yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, I'm not even joking. There was a couple of times her bags were at the door or my bags were at the door. And it was like, you know, it was like a long talks to be, get to, the, to take them back inside the house. You know, I mean, I was on the verge of losing my family. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, I, I don't even know where I'd be if I didn't have them. You know what yeah. I mean? Like. So like, you know, that was a, <laughs> that was what I valued. You yeah. know, that's really what hit home for me. Right. Kids, like it was, you know. And even like, like actually sitting down and doing the exercise of figuring out what you do value mm-hmm. is an important thing. Mm-hmm. Like I was just doing this, uh, online course recently. I can't even remember what it was, but it was just asked, what are your values? And I'm like, what are my values? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then I, I Google like, what are yeah. t- typical values? <laughs> like, and I, I know what they are deep down, yeah, but to exactly. just like verbalize. But articulated is, yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. Like, Sometimes you have to, you have to almost, you have to dig a little deeper yeah, and I'm try like, to figure it out, right? I'm like, hard work, discipline. Yeah, yeah I, I like to work hard. And, yeah. and then I look at other people, like people I respect. Mm. And then you see in them, what you respect about them and that kind of reflects back on yourself. And then I'm like, okay, so is what I'm doing now reflective off these things that I've figured out are my values? What's your value? What's your mission statement, Mike? You know what I mean? What is it? Yeah. Right. You know, I want to, I want to create beautiful pieces of music and art Mm. that people can find joy in and can put something positive out into the world. Exactly. You know, be good to other people. That's right. Be kind. And I like to, I like to try to be out in nature and out Mm. in the, out in the world as much as possible. So that also makes me want to be healthy. Like I want to be able to hike this tall mountain or climb to the top of this hill or swim this long distance, you know. That's one part of, uh, that's one part is like, you know, the physical health. I don't know if I've gotten there yet. I'm not one to like. I don't run or any of those yeah. things. My wife, Melanie's right into fitness, you know, yeah. she's been trying and after me forever, right. To yeah. kind of join her in that journey. But it's just, I don't know. I've never, just doesn't appeal to me. I'd rather any moment of free time I'm spending with music these days, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Writing, listening, mixing, yeah. like, you know, just, you know, well, today, social media, all that stuff, yeah. you know, I, I feel I'm spending like. I'm literally cooking supper and I got the laptop open with headphones on and I'm listening to yeah. different takes of something and I'm, then I got to mash the potatoes and then I'm like, I feel like every, yeah. you learn with kids and lives that you go, okay, I got a, I got 45 minutes. What can I do in this 45 minutes? I can, Multitask. Make, I can make these posters for the next two weeks. Okay. Yeah. You know, like whatever, but the last three, the last two, um, two years for sure. It's like that, that's where my time has gone. It's like work, family, and then every spare moment, just trying to fit music in there somehow, you know? Well, somehow. it sounds like that's nourishing you in oh, a healthy way. Oh my God. It's like, I need it. When I don't, when I don't play a gig after a while, I get amped up and I get cranky and even Melanie will know it's like, a, you know, you got to play a show like soon. It's like, mm. it's like, it's my, mm. it's my release, right? People go yeah. for a run. People do those things. They work out, they go to the gym, whatever. For me, 
it's it's playing music. Go play gigs. Sweat out the demons. You know what I mean? Mm. Like that's yes. that's how it's I. Since day one, it's been my therapy. You know, I didn't know it earlier then, but I know it now. You know what I mean? It's like it's where I feel most myself, mm. and and it's where. I literally sweat out the demons. You know, you're not thinking of anything else. You're just playing that song. You're just singing those words, whatever that is. Like, and, you know, and a lot of times I, I, now I do all my own stuff, my own original. So like, you know, you're, you're just singing those songs, reflecting on these songs. And every song for me is, comes from a moment of my life or something that I've dealt with, you know? So, yeah. so you're, you're kind of processing that too. And kind of in that weird way, of self-reflection in the middle of a song in your mind. It just kind of makes you a better person, I think, in some way after that gig's over, you know? And I think playing 20, 30, 40 songs in a night after you leave there, you feel better. At least I, I feel better, you know? I've, and it's a stress release. It's relief. a release. It's a release yeah. of whatever's built up during the yeah. week or the day or whatever, you know? Cathartic release it's, of uh, all those things all inside. Them, yeah. yeah, and sometimes you don't even know what they are, but you just feel better after a show. And know? singing is actually yeah. physiologically good for you because yeah. it stimulates your vagus nerve, yeah, which go. is uh, the nerve between your, basically your stomach and I think it goes up to your brain, but yeah. it's uh, your soul and your mind. Listen yeah. to the Doctor Mal episode. <laughs> yes. She goes through she explains this. It. Nice. But when you sing, you're you're actually stimulating that, and you physically feel better afterward, yep. just because you're. Yeah. I I honestly, you know, I can be, I can, I know myself. Some days, you know, whatever's going on, you're a little upset or cranky that day or whatever, and I'll get down to the gig and. And, you know, you just don't feel that way five minutes in. You don't feel that way. And then yeah. you kind of forget why you were upset or angry. And then, you know, you're driving home and you're humming a tune in your head and yeah. you feel, you feel better, you know, like that's what, that's what, that's really the main reason for music for me today is like document my life, record everything I can now because I want my future great grandkids to, to, Aaron McDonald from Mabo and they can actually yeah. see a video or play a song. You know, my father passed away when I was one years old, so I don't remember him, you know? Yeah. And there was, we only have a couple of photos of him, let alone, I don't know what his voice sounds like or any yeah. of those things, you know? And so that's, I don't know, like I, I'm not, you know, it, it doesn't bother me that much, but I think of that sometimes. It's like, you know, it, it's like, I want my future grandkids or whatever. I want descendants of mine to be able to, hear me and know what I was, maybe a little bit what I was like, you know? So you value yeah. legacy. Yeah. Now yeah. I, I never, now it's, it's, it's like when you, when your kids get older and, and like Lily left the house, my oldest Lily Rain, like she, you know, she, she's a down now living in Halifax here. And it's like, it just starts hitting you every now and again with kids, you get kind of slapped in the face with time. It, not all the time. It's, it's just these little flashes, these moments, like, Oh God. And, it's like, I better do this soon because who knows what could happen, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's a big thing for me. It's like, I, I, I want to record every song I ever wrote and release it. I, I'm not worried about whether this song should be released or not released anymore. To me, it's like, they're all going out, you know, <laughs> like everything, no matter what, good or bad or ugly, you know. That's going to take a while because you're a pro <laughs> prolific writer, but It's going to take, it's going to take some time. Yeah, it's going to yeah. take some time, but I'm working at it, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to do it. Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I've been lucky that way. I, I've written a lot of songs and they're still coming. So, you know, I just, yeah, I'm just trying to pick off a few at a time, you know. I'm curious about, I want to talk more about legacy mm. because I've had, other friends, particularly friends who have children, mm -hmm. who have talked about this. And 
I can certainly relate to this idea of time and mortality. And as we get older, that becomes more and more real or you lose people in your life that are mm-hmm. important to you. I don't feel like I've yet related to legacy being important to me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's something that may never kick in or like, can you describe a little bit more of yeah. what that well, feels I, like? I think, I think it's when, with kids, you know, it, it's like, I think part of it is maybe this fear that when they leave, maybe they, they'll forget us. They won't love us anymore. They don't need us anymore. And it's kind of this, this it's, you know, maybe it's this innate fear in your back of your mind. Yeah. It's like, you know, you've, you've nurtured this human being for almost 20 years and it takes yeah. over your entire life, you know, and you spend every thought and feeling and thing in your brain and mind and body like to, to, you know, create this human being. Mm-hmm. And then when they're, when they're leaving, you're just like, oh my God, like they don't need me anymore. They don't, maybe they'll, they'll move on to other things and love other things. And it's like, maybe this legacy project is sort of this last ditch effort to say, Hey, like I'm still here. Like, like remember me, you know, mm. like, like, and I think that like, you know, that's where I'm at. It's just, I want my kids and my, their future families to sort of remember me, you know what I mean? For who I was yeah. or who I think I w- want them to remember me by. It's really beautiful. But it's like, the songs I write are about them and about Melanie, about my life. I don't sit down to write a song about a particular thing. It's just like I sit there and a little melody pops in my head on the guitar and all of a sudden, like almost all my songs come out in 10 minutes and they're done. And I don't, I don't go back and rewrite them really. Like I just, and then I, I'm processing some, something we're going through. And so now I feel like they're all just little memory captures yeah. of our lives. You have a time capsule yeah. through music. Yeah. And Incredible. I want to leave that with them. Yes. So they remember who we are. And, I, and they, they don't care at all at this point in their lives of what I'm doing. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I wrote a song for Lily Ray, my oldest, when she was like 10 months old. I was a stay-at-home dad then. And she kind of took her first steps across the floor. And it's a song, Sweet Champagne. It's a, yeah. a, I recorded it a number of years ago. She was like about two years old when I recorded it. And the song at the start of it's like she's a young, like a baby in the middle of part of the song. She's kind of a teenager or a young adult. That's where we're at now. And the last part of the song is maybe they're taking care of you even when we're a little older. And she just kind of brushes off the song. And some of her friends like play it for her and, and pick on her. Oh, you know, this song. And, and like, but I know someday that song's going to click with her in 100%. some moment, someday mm-hmm. when she has her own kid or maybe when I'm gone, you know, but I know someday that song's going to click, you know, and it's like, that's why I'm recording these songs. Mm. Like for, so they have that moment and they can know that like, you know what I mean? I'm just, it's like you say, like time capsules. I feel like my songs are just part of a photo album, you know, and I'm slipping in pictures on the pages. Like, you know, then that's amazing. That's my, yeah. that's, thank you. That's, oh, that's I mean, a really, well, I mean, I don't know that. I don't know. I, and I don't, I used to, when I was younger, like be bitter about the music industry and all those things and, and be trying to do it for other reasons. And now it's, you get older, you just don't care about that stuff anymore. You know what I mean? I don't care. I'm, I am completely satisfied where I'm at in my life, you know, and I have a great life. I have a. I have a big, beautiful house in Mabu. I got nine acres of land. I got two dogs, my cat, and Melanie, and four kids. They're all healthy and they're all going. And, yeah. you know, we can go out to eat if we need to, if we want yeah. to. We, you know, you mean, we're not, you know, we're not millionaires, but we're not, you know, And you're hurting. up here recording in a studio. We're up here recording in a studio. I mean, my life is actually really good, mm-hmm. you know? And so now it's like, you know, I'm just going to capture 
I just want to, I just want to capture all these songs I've written. I've, I have a lifetime. I've, you know, th over 30 years of writing songs and I'm just, it's like now I'm really focusing on getting them all down. You know, that, that's just been my mission. So the songs that you're recording right now, mm -hmm. are they from your past or is this new work? No, some of them, uh, on this particular album I'm working on at Sonic Temple, uh, there's six tracks. One I wrote in 1996. Yeah. One I wrote about 15 years ago, and there's three new ones on there. Like so, to me, I want to re I want to record every song I ever wrote. So I mean, I'm going. Songs are going to go way back, but also like I I keep going kind of back to the Grateful Dead. They're one of my major influences, but they would do different versions of songs. I want to re-record other songs that I recorded mm -hmm. on pre old albums that I feel aren't. Yeah. I can't even listen to my first couple albums anymore. They mm -hmm. just sound so sonically terrible to me yeah. <laughs> like you know um, my timing's off and my voice is uh you know what i mean yeah it's like oh i want to redo that album someday or something or just e even mm -hmm. maybe just song by song pick them all off and re-record them nicer you know yeah and um yeah so I, I don't i don't uh i don't really concentrate on oh i'm going to put out all new songs now it's like these six songs are the ones i kind of like right now that i want to play and like I'm constantly playing new stuff and old stuff and in between stuff all the time. There's no rhyme or reason. I don't really even take a set list a lot of the times on stage. I, I used to just ban them. I when we were out in our jam band yeah. phase, like it was you could did not take a set list. It's like no way, man. We're starting a song. It might be ten minutes long, and then we'll play another song. We don't know where this is gonna go. It was all the musical adventure of it all, you know. But now, like when I have a show with a band, I'll, I'll kind of take a set list. The boys like having their set list, but when I do my solo, make and everybody do, else feel comfortable. Yeah, them feel comfortable and I still I don't follow it a lot of times so I'm kind of bopping around but the guys I play with they've been playing with me for 20 some years so I mean they, they know the drill they know the songs anyways and yeah. I, I'm usually always throwing a new song at them on stage live just to kind of keep them on their toes but <laughs> but yeah no I, I, I there's no rhyme or reason man I'm just I'm just starting this it's just this big life legacy project of, of, of just getting them all down regardless mm. if they're old or new or anything there's no theme to any album it's like these are the songs I'm recording right now and these are the ones that are ready that are going out you know what I mean it's that simple like I don't I don't worry I don't think about it that way like I don't know it's, I think all art is a snapshot of who you are in that moment and yep, 100%. all the knowledge you have all the skills you have, just the life lessons learned and just what you can take and put that into your creation. Mm -hmm. And you're doing that, but you're also doing it with the lens of creating these snapshots for your family, yeah. which is a really nice thing. Well, and it's like, it's not a conscious thing of like saying, oh, we just, you know, whatever, we had this this issue or this episode in our house and I, I need to write a song to process it. It literally just happens organically. Like you're just literally sitting at the island yeah. with a cup of coffee and the guitar, and all of a sudden, you, the words just hit the page. And it, sometimes, yeah. like I said, mentioned earlier, that you might sing that song ten or twenty times before you put together what it's about mm -hmm. and what experience or what's going on in your world at this moment that made you write that song. But it's all just processing this crazy world that we're all living yeah. in. You know that that you know it's it just all goes back to that therapy part for me, right? It's I feel better after I read a song and yeah. maybe I don't quite know what it's about, but chances are it usually ends up being about, you know, I just wrote a new song last week and it, or two weeks ago now when Lily left the house, it was a little bit empty yeah. nest, summer was ending, fall is coming, little empty nest, you know, and all of a sudden, boom, this song comes out and it's like, that, that's kind of what it's about, you know, mm -hmm. and it's, I don't know, it's uh it's really powerful that you've been able to do this in such a natural way. I, I can truly say now, having interviewed 
X number of musicians that we have, you are the most just <laughs> honest and genuine and pure creative from like the way that you <laughs> go about this. I don't see myself that way. I totally <laughs> do. Right? Totally, like, totally do. I don't do. see it that way at all. It's like, this is just the way I mentally survive. You know, I, I hear <laughs> that. Like, and there's yeah. nothing wrong with yeah. being involved in the industry and being you concerned know, with success or sales or any of that. I mean, that's a very normal 100%. human experience, but I've, I've never had this conversation yeah. with someone like uh, in this way. Aaron. Yeah, I, well, uh, uh, since COVID, I started focusing more on, okay, I'm going to release music now to people because I, I, and so, and you know, in, in, in turn, my kids will hear them and they'll be available for them, you know, down the road. But it was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go to the Music Nova Scotia Awards. I'm going to apply for grants. I'm going to apply for funding. I'm going to, mm -hmm. I'm going to do what's sort of required in the industry end of things. And if something happens, great. But if nothing happens, my life is still fantastic. Right. So I've learned that music is gravy. Like it's, it's just gravy on this mm -hmm. awesome life I have, mm -hmm. you know? So there's no pressure to that. If anything works out, that's awesome. But mm -hmm. if it doesn't, it, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? It's not what the reason I'm doing it, you know? Yeah. But I was like, I'll put some, in, I'll, I'm going to put my time and energy into that too and, and do that part. And try to, you know, play some better shows. And I think part of it too is I want to play better shows just because I'm older and I don't want to be sitting in some old bar at one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I'd like to play a nice soft seater and have somebody actually listen to my We songs all want to be in bed at one o'clock in the morning. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Last night or Saturday night for the Urban uh, Halifax Urban Folk Festival, we had a songwriter circle that started at 10 o'clock. And I was like, oh my God, I can't even remember the last gig I had that started at 10 o'clock. Mm -hmm. It's been years you know, mm. seven, eight o'clock is when I'm starting. Ten o'clock is when I'm done. Yes. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like, and I love that, right? So, uh, no, it's, um, you know, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know. I, there's no method to my madness. It's just, it's just a matter of songs keep coming out and it's like, okay, I got to keep playing them. And, and it's like, and I want to play gigs just, to, you know, to relieve that stress and stay busy. It's just a big part of my life. And it always has been since I was 18. Mm -hmm. So I'm 40, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm 47. I'm going to be... Next year, it'll be 30 years of playing gigs. It's mm. it's it's scary to say that out loud because yeah. it doesn't feel like that, you know? Yeah. But it, it's like, yeah, I don't know. It, it's just, it's my musical therapy, man. I need it, you know? Yep. Well, it's it's your therapy, but it's uh, an amazing thing that other people get to share in as well. Yeah, you know, it, it's... Um, I've realized that now too. Like I never used social media before until the pandemic really. Right. And then yeah. I started kind of posting a couple of videos and you see people's reactions and, and it's like, Oh my God. Like that's one thing I've learned too in the last couple of years is like, uh, you don't know what song somebody's going to connect with. Yeah. So that's also, you know, it, it's part of like, well, I'm going to release them all because I'm going to record them all because I don't know yeah. which song somebody might connect with. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, why not give this song? Maybe I don't think this is my strongest song, but who cares? Throw it out in the world and see what happens, you know? Yeah. And so I'm just throwing stuff against the wall and seeing what's sticking, you know? I'm just, you know, that's, I don't know. That's it. There's no rhyme or reason. Oh, keep doing it. Yeah. Keep doing it the exact <laughs> way you're doing it. God, I, there's so much on the go. I can't, like, I don't Get ready have, for a thousand songs. <laughs> I don't even have, you know, I, I don't even know sometimes how I'm managing to, get this all in because like I work still, you know, day job and Melanie's a principal and you know, four, well, we're, we have four kids down to three kids now, but 
you know, but it, it, and I'm gigging two or three, four times a week, and I'm I'm mm. got I'm working on an album at Sonic. I record a yeah. live album. Uh, You're a doing podcasts. I'm doing podcasts, <laughs> but it's like I'm trying to do like like it's getting back to that sort of every free moment for me. I'm trying to fit in something musical. So like I'm in the city. I finished at Sonic. I have this whole evening off. Um, yeah. You know, so it's like why not come do the podcast with you two cool cats? You know, yeah. the the artistic, uh, creative power couple in the in the mm. in, in Nova Scotia here <laughs> now, right? Oh, so I don't know. Oh, we're, we're, we're just <laughs> happy that you chose to spend your time oh, with us God. tonight. No, I uh, <laughs> one of my first shows, probably like my tenth show I've ever played. Was on a festival with you in Deepdale. Oh, the Deepdale. Remember yes. way back then? The tr- One Eye Trouser played yeah. that too, I believe. Yeah. 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 That yeah. was. Uh, Everybody in Cape Breton has a nickname. I just have to <laughs> throw know. that in there. One Eye Trouser is a band that became the Trues. Oh, yeah. oh okay. So they yeah. were, All right. They I stay corrected. Yeah. There still are a lot of nicknames. Yeah. 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 Oh, Inverness is the town of the most nicknames <laughs> in Canada. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the town heroes is about people with nicknames. Yeah. That's what the. But they had that. that I mean, uh, you, you guys played there. I played there. The Trues were there. Uh, uh, um, Dutchy Mason, Dutchy Mason was there. Yeah. Like, I mean, that was a dandy night. Yeah, it was you know? fun. Yeah, no, Ranch Belay. He's now yeah, the, he's uh, premier the premier of, of uh, yeah, he's now the premier up there Yukon. in the Yukon. Yeah. He put that on back yeah. in the day. Yeah, yeah. connections everywhere. Across that this country. was, uh, I remember seeing seeing another band from from home yeah. that was like doing doing big yeah. things. That was inspiring to see. Like, as you you were. <sighs> You had, I think, crossed Canada a couple times yep. by then, and yep. had your had your Bertha, your yeah, tour my van, Bertha, the old there. Red van. Yeah, so. man, that van. It's like we lived in that thing for years. Yeah. You know, it's I, I. Oh my God, I think back of it now. Bertha, she was a wonderful heat wagon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we could fit everything in it, man. We had a five piece band. We could fit the drum kit, two Fender twins, yeah. all our gear. My 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 stepdad Neil, like we took bunk beds from home. We chopped the frame and then we yeah. welded the frames to the sides because they had to be a little shorter to the sidewalls of the van. And then we put a bunk in there and we yeah. cut the bunk short and put a bunk up top so we could fit all the gear underneath in the back. And it was only had bucket seats. It was a cargo van. So then we took a bus seat and welded that to the yeah. inside. So we had two bucket seats, a bus seat, and then a bunk. And I mean, that, that, that was it. We had a CB radio because my dad drove a truck then, you know, you had an extra <laughs> yeah. CB radio. And we need. had a cassette, we had a cassette deck, uh, player in it and so at that time cds were all around so nobody was using their cassettes so we went around all friends and family said give us all your cassettes so we had this bin of like hundreds of cassettes (laughs) and i mean you talk about all genres of music you know and be like just (laughs) throw the old cassette in there we'd be listening to everything from chris christopherson to frank zappa and 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 huey lewis and the news huey lewis and toots and the maytals (laughs) and lonious monk and you you name it i mean we were all over the road you know it's like Oh, it was it was quite the adventure, Bertha. She she was infamous in her own right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, see, I remember seeing you on stage, yeah. and yeah, that was that was a a pivotal moment in my career. You know, mm. I'm just kind of getting going and seeing some local guys doing good. That was well, just I mean, a, it, it kind of a lift off point. It, well, in, in, for me, it was like the Rankins. Yeah, you know, Jimmy Rankin. For me, like I remember them when they just started. They came to the Mabel School. And, yeah. and and we helped set up the sound gear that day, the PA and all that stuff. And I remember seeing them at shows and I'm thinking like, I can sing some songs, uh, yeah. you know, and like they can sing songs. Like, why can't I do it? Yeah. You know what I mean? It was the same idea. It was like, you know, and that that's really, they were a big inspiration for me to yeah. kind of, it's possible, it's possible, yeah. you know, and that's what I kind of 
chalk myself yeah. up, you know? Yeah. Know. And and like you're saying about music, having these conversations, you don't know who's going to listen as well that might hear your story you and know. connect with it 100%. and inspire them to yeah. follow that life yeah. too. You know, I, I think I, I've, I've, especially now, even though then you were doing it, but now it's like you kind of reflect more on it. It's like, it, it's... You know, I I hope nobody has the fear of kind of putting something out there because it is daunting to put your own original thing out there. Because like I I I heard Prince on a TikTok video or Instagram reel, an old clip of Prince, and he was saying that a song is most. I'm paraphrasing here, but like a song is most perfect the second you create it by yourself. You know, because the minute the second someone else hears it you start judging that your own work based on their judgment of it. Yes. And you change this, your sort of idea of what yeah. you just created. So it's most perfect when no one else knows about it. And it's just you and that, that piece of work, that piece of mm. art, that song, you know, cause I know for me, my favorite song is always the last one you wrote. Like for me, it's always my favorite song. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the most recent one, you know, I think John Prine said it. Like there's nothing, the feeling of uh, having a song in your back pocket that nobody's heard, you know, yeah. it's like, but it, it can be very daunting to like, you know, when I remember when I, when I had a, I had a couple of originals way back before Saint of X that I never played really for people. And then when I got there and these friends of mine, you know, encouraged you to play it, it's, it's you know, it's scary to go up there and like sing this original song. You're just waiting for people to crucify you. Maybe you don't know. Mm -hmm. Right. But, yeah. but now I just, well, I mean, obviously, obviously now after all these years, almost 30 years, I, you know, it's, it's, it's part of me just like, I, I think nothing of writing a song on a Friday afternoon and singing a Friday night. So I, I get excited to see how, what people are going to, how are they going to react to this one? Yeah. You know, I don't know. I don't stress about the quality of things. I'm more about just the sort of quantity of things. Like, you know, it's like, you know, you, you can't, there's no perfection in any of this stuff, right? It, it, it's, uh, if you're striving for that, you, you'll never get there. And perfect to whom? Yeah. Exactly, right? Exactly. Like, it's like, you know, you'll drive yourself crazy, you know, yeah. even recording and all these things. Like, I get mm -hmm. to some point with it all. I'm like, well, you know, it's good enough. Meh. You know, it's just a moment in time. It's just that photo in the photo album. Yeah. It doesn't have to be the perfect thing. There's another photo on the next page. Like, who knows? And you don't know. Like, that thing that you don't think is perfect could be the most perfect thing for somebody else out there, mm -hmm. you know? So, mm -hmm. well, some of the, the best songs in the world, like the technically the best mix songs mm. and stuff, like if you put it in front of a room of like mixing engineers, they would all have notes on how to yeah. make it better. Yeah. Like just yeah. their perspective. Like, yeah. It's endless. Yeah. It's endless. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing oh, this perspective gosh. today. It's so oh, refreshing. <laughs> I don't know. It really is. It's yeah, meaningful for, yeah. for me even. Like if um, I'm the only person who hears this conversation, <laughs> it's meant something to me. Yeah, well, that's good. Thank you for that. I don't <laughs> know. You have a yeah. unique approach and perspective and way you go about things, Aaron. And it, it is really nice to see. And yeah. it's nice that you've come to a point where... Well, everything in your life is so good and you're just fully just enjoying the music. Yeah, like, that's it, man. I, I, I love every gig I play now. Like, you know, I'm not forced to play any gigs yeah. anymore. And I used to be. When music was sort of the primary thing for me, it was like I got to a point where I almost didn't enjoy it. And that's why yeah. I had to kind of step back from it, you know? Yeah. Now it's like, I love all my gigs, whether that's in some bar where nobody's even listening to me, I still enjoy singing that song to myself yeah. if nobody else is listening. But then, you know, I, I don't know, it's, it's almost like when you let go, more better things come your way. You know, yeah. it's been going really well the last couple of years. And like, so I'm just trying to just 
sit back and just kind of take it all in and just, yeah. you know, stay busy, put out content. That's the what kind of what I'm, I keep telling my buddies in the music biz, just stay busy, put out content. You know, if something happens, it happens. If not, mm-hmm. at least you're creating, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. No rhyme or reason. <laughs> I'm receiving this advice. <laughs> well, thanks for being here, buddy. Oh, man, my pleasure, man. Pleasure to chat yes. and uh, wish you all the best and everything ahead. And you got a nomination for Music Nomination, yeah. Yeah, Americana Bluegrass Recording yeah. of the Year for Rights and Wrongs. So, yeah. you know, it's pretty cool. Like, I've never had these kind of things before, you know. This is my second nomination in this many years. Yeah. So it's kind of neat, you know. It's... Uh, you know, it just gives it a little sort of status of like, maybe I'm not crazy doing yeah, all these things. Nice. You know what I mean? It nice helps. To have a little know? recognition. 30 yeah. years in, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's your peers saying, you know, hey, buddy, you're, you're doing all right. You know, you know? know, you so, know it's, it's awesome. You know, I, I'm excited. I'm going down to Yarmouth. Oh, sweet. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, I, I'm taking it all in now. I got a yeah. kind of a different outlook on things now. I'm, I'm going to all these events and yeah. I, I enjoy them now. Like, there's no yeah. pressure anymore. And I'm not yeah. really trying for anything in a yes. way i'm just participating yeah. you know what i mean and i enjoy it it's hanging around with music friends and creative yeah. people and getting to see how many showcases it's just a fantastic melanie come melanie we went that last year's yeah. music nova scotia awards in sydney was the bomb yeah it was a great so weekend yeah. and melanie yeah. came down we just were bopping from show to show we love going to concerts that's yeah. probably one of our favorite things to do together you know yeah. and so oh i'm i'm taking all this stuff in man. i'm riding this wave till they won't have me anymore you know but we hope there's lots of years <laughs> left, and we'll see you in Yarmouth. Yeah, we'll be there too, but <laughs> awesome man. Well, thanks okay, again, man. and My uh, yeah, we hope to hope to spend lots more chats together. Oh, uh, we will, man. Thanks for having. Me. Cheers, everyone. Thanks for listening, folks. My heart's a little bit old.